Welcome to the Mississippi School of the Arts podcast production, a digital media arts exploration of the Mississippi School of the Arts. Creative Expression is the flagship podcast program for Mississippi School of the Arts, and it's the idea that every artist has the freedom to share their life story in their own way. In this podcast series, connect with our guests as they share their experiences, offer advice, and inspire us all. Mississippi School of the Arts welcomes Alicia Burton-Steele. Alicia is the Assistant Professor of Journalism at the School of Journalism and New Media at the University of Mississippi, where she teaches beginning writing, podcasting, photojournalism, audio-video production, and the undergraduate capstone class. She is the author of the book Delta Jewels, In Search of My Grandmother's Wisdom, which is a collection of formal portraits and oral histories from elder African-American church women, including civil rights activist Mrs. Merle Evers. Let's now join Alicia Burton-Steele in conversation with Clinicia Sibley, Literary Arts Instructor at Mississippi School of the Arts. Good morning, Miss Al. Good morning, how are you? I'm doing wonderfully. Um, it's great to reconnect with you um, in this setting. We've been in the classroom for a while. So this is a an interesting setting. Takes some getting used to um, conversing behind the mic when we've been doing sidebars <laughs> for the last 24 hours. So this is uh, exclusive, and we are just so happy to have you here. Um, more than happy to have you here. The students have engaged with you for um, one day, and I think that they have had some wonderful experiences and conversations and just listening to you talk about your talk about your successes and challenges I think I think this is just a wonderful opportunity for them um have you ever engaged with um with a high school at this level with this many this many days this much time this much one-on-one like how how new and different is this residency compared to other projects you've done with student, junior and senior students? Well, I've had a ball. Um, mm-hmm. It's exhausting. Yeah. I don't know how high school teachers do this. I thought college was harder, mm-hmm. and this is by far much harder. It's mm-hmm. much more engaging mm-hmm. with the students, more one-on-one. But I've learned from them. So you mentioned that I've given things to them but I've learned from them so it's been a great experience that way but I've never worked with high school students mm-hmm. this in depth yeah even in just a one day at a school I usually do a presentation it's an hour maybe two and then I'm gone so mm-hmm. being here for a few days has been wonderful I've been telling all my friends about it the kids are the students are brilliant thoughtful um, emotional mm-hmm. they're artists so they're full of emotion but it's it's been wonderful I can't wait to see what they do with the project we're working on mm-hmm. one of the things when I started working here I remember telling people they remind me of myself you know it's like I can look at them and I can see myself when I was 16 17 18 um, and I don't know there's some sort of emotional connection there so 
is there it has it been like that for you have you did you have nostalgia um just did you see yourself in any of the kids and you don't have to you know name their names but did you really connect with one or more of them? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I went to an art school that was for, I went to a magnet school for the arts. Mm-hmm. And we had academics in the morning, and then we would go to the art school in the afternoon. So it's kind of like a miniature fame. And to me, this is like fame. I don't know, that TV show from the 80s. Um, so I saw a lot of myself. Yeah. I saw a lot of uh, emotion and creativity with the students so it took me back to high school all over again I think they're very fortunate to have a school like this where they can live on campus that did not exist where I was born yeah and it was I I enjoyed uh, the activity that we did where you uh, challenged them to take a photo of something on campus um, some aspect of campus from a different perspective Um, it it, for me um, when I observed that activity um, I could for it was like I could see from their lens you know um, what what uh, inspires them when they're here the places and spaces that they go to for peace or for inspiration you know um, when you you you're still kind of exploring the campus but you know, is is there something about, you know, the physicality of this, of the school that really resonates with you? Um, I remember thinking about the, um, just the, the wood of my lab, and it was just something about the wooded kind of look, you know, that, that, that I found really comforting and warm. Um, but is there, have you had any kind of physical like connection with like the physical space of the school absolutely on my on my instagram i've already posted like eight photos that's awesome um (laughs) in fact this morning i got here early and just seeing the locker rooms with their stickers and somebody's (laughs) very worn ballet shoe on the floor and i was like that's a sign of a true ballerina when you can see worn shoes like that yeah but also the cables on the staircase you know the old and the new yeah. So I took a picture of that with uh, some student artwork. Uh, there's a, a sculpture on the staircase, uh, on the landing of that. So for me, it's the old and the new, and there's so much character here, which is so fitting for the characters of the students. But when we had that assignment yesterday, two things stood out for me. One was a student who talked about the room where he dances. And, you know, you look at the picture, and when we judge things right off the bat, it he had a deeper meaning in it because when I first saw it, I saw a crooked photo of a room. He took it from the lens of security watching him when he dances, but he talked about why he dances. Mm-hmm. And when he's having, when he's in his feelings, when he's going through something, he dances. Every day he's in that room. So when you look at that photo, there's so much more depth mm-hmm. for why that place meant something to him. Mm-hmm. And then there was a young lady who talked about sitting in an old chair on uh, a porch in one of the buildings Mm -hmm. and she said it was when um, she's having a lot of uh, being around people and that's her place for solitude Mm -hmm. so that lets me know that her brain is working creatively all the time Mm -hmm. and she needs to decompress Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of depth behind the images Mm -hmm. and I was really happy and proud of them for sharing their feelings that was very vulnerable for them yeah there's I've all 
you know, I'm really a spatial kind of person, too. I just, there's something about, you know, being in the space, like the space matters, you know, Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to being creative, when it comes to um, just thinking, you know. um, Where do you go? Like, what are your, where are your spaces? You know, either if, if, if it's just for to find peace and solitude or your productive spaces? Like, what's your relationship to spaces as an artist? So I'm an only child, mm-hmm. and I didn't have to share mm-hmm. growing up. Um, so being married, I have to share. And I work with him. We work in the same college. We're mm-hmm. co-authoring our next book together. Mm-hmm. We work on side projects together. And I'm like, I need my space. And so he's a very extroverted person, and I'm very introverted. Um, Mm -hmm. I need a lot of alone time. I just don't work with a lot of people all the time. So my space at home, I would probably say it's actually in the living room in a recliner, and that's where I do my editing for my book, my editing for audio. He's in the three-season room watching his football games, and the door is closed, and it's me and my cat. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, because I do so many speaking engagements, yesterday was my 81st, uh, just for this book alone in four years. And, you know, teaching a full load and producing films and that kind of thing. Home is my space. Um, I don't like to go out a lot. Um, sometimes I'll go out with my friends. But I like to be at home, put my music on, and jam while I'm working. And it's really hard to pull me out of the house. The first thing I do is pajamas come on. And once that comes on, there's no going out. Don't even ask me to go have a drink, to go watch a movie. It's not happening. In fact, I'd be very, there are times when I don't leave the house for an entire weekend Mm -hmm. because I just need that time because I'm always talking, always on. Right. And I've I've just been picking up on all of the things that you, like your day-to-day and, um, you know, you're really busy and um, the the teaching and the traveling associated with the interviewing and the researching and um, the advising and then your own, you know, your own artistry and, you know, being being able to fulfill your own your personal goals with your art. Um, I get I get where you go to. Uh, decompress and but but how in dancing that's awesome um I I actually dance as well and um I stop thinking about so much when I'm able to do that um and it's just a healthy practice as well but how important is balancing um because you do have many different you know roles like how do you balance that with being an artist and um you know if that even is possible well as you're asking me that I'm like do I balance yeah you know I'm taking my first doctoral class this semester teaching three classes writing a book proposal editing audio um I'm always on and my husband Bobby is always saying to me can you put it down you just need to put it down because I'm always working and I feel like I'm wasting time if I'm not working so the only time, even yesterday, I was exhausted. And I was just telling you this morning, I don't know how you do it as a working mom. <laughs> I just taught. 
and and spoke for what seven and a half hours yesterday but you had to go home with mm-hmm. your children and be mom yeah. and and wife and daughter and I just go home to my husband and my cat and I still have to be wife but I don't know that I have a balance to be honest with you mm-hmm. and that's part of the problem I'm always tired mm-hmm. and I don't want to say no mm-hmm. to people because I'm so honored that they want to hear what I have to say so I feel like that's part of the responsibility for the work that I do. Mm-hmm. But I, I really can't honestly say that I have balance, and that's a sad answer. Well, that's what I was going to ask, if you think that a big part of being a professional and and in, and for, you know, for these students and artists, and that is right now what they most identify with. They identify most with being an artist even before, you know, they're, you know, being a professional or an expert at what they do, but it's really just the freedom of creating, you know. Um, I, I I think balance is hard to achieve. I agree. Uh, what what would you suggest for, for teenagers, you know? Um, they may operate in balance, you know, and they may, it may be that, um, that MSA students have to get more professionally, you know, committed, you know, um, and it could be that they need to balance in the opposite way that we need to balance. We need to be able to um, take more breaks, um, do something for leisure, you know, but they may thrive on leisure and maybe they need to get more committed to to work. Um, what What's your advice for you know, the upper high school student who's going into college and maybe struggling with, with buckling down. Seniors who get senioritis. <laughs> well, we see it in college, too. Really? Yeah, so we see it, you know, this is spring semester. I have seniors in my classes who are graduating in May. Yeah. And it's hard for them to get their homework done. And I am not lenient. You miss a deadline, that's it. There's no extensions, period. You don't get that in in the workplace most times. So I have no sympathy for that because you know the work is due. Mm -hmm. And you have to have accountability. Mm -hmm. For high school, you know, yesterday I asked two students. um, Two of them showed me really beautiful artwork. And one of them I was actually interested in buying something. I said, do you have a website? She's a senior. She said, uh, and I heard a teacher say, I told you to get that website. Was that you, Patrick? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, you need a website. You know, mm-hmm. when I was in high school, I didn't need a website, but I had to have a portfolio. You know, we mm-hmm. had prints and, and cases, and we showed images, and we had slides. But it's, you know, it's a, that's a really hard answer, uh, question because I think a lot of times, and with technology and advances, I wonder if they've lost a part of their childhood, you know. Um, they do need to to buckle down because college professors are not going to cater to their to their missing homework. Mm-hmm. We have too many other responsibilities and other college you know college students to tend to and work to grade mm-hmm. so there's no reminders now oh, your homework's due mm-hmm. you know get that homework done. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't do that. And I think that's a, a shock, a cultural shock for the students, an academic shock for them. So I think 
having some of that experience of getting the work done and Mm -hmm. buckling down so that they can enjoy college and go to college. Yeah. Um, But I do think they also need a balance too. Artists, we're so emotional. You know, um, I was telling the students yesterday, you know, how someone responds to me or treats me when I first go into a situation to photograph it, it puts me in my feelings. And if I'm in my feelings, I'm not exploring in my head how I want to take the picture because I'm responding to something negatively. So it can ma- it can mess up my whole my whole vibe on wanting to photograph it and, and blocking my creativity. Mm-hmm. And so, or I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, I apologize for that, but finding that balance, mm-hmm. doing what you need to do, mm-hmm. and understanding that the real world doesn't evolve around you. Yeah. That's really important. And um, I think the sooner they understand that, mm-hmm. the better off and, and more equipped they will be. Yeah. And you become more of a giver, you know, not so much of the have the sort of taker um, goal all the time, taking opportunities, but you end up giving more, giving more effort, giving more time, you know, um, just giving more to the to the to the project or the task. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that it really does speak to maturity, um, human maturity, and then there's artist maturity as well, which we'll talk about in just a moment. When um, I want to talk a little bit more about um, your pro- your uh, your book Delta Jewels. Uh, were you a good standardized test taker? No. Oh, <laughs> no. I mean, listen, for my master's, I didn't have to do the GRE. Right, me either. for this doctoral class, mm-hmm. and I'm teaching and doing everything else. And they asked me to come into the program, and I'm like, I already tell, I'm already going to tell you, I'm gonna jack up this GRE, <laughs> so I'm not, I don't even have time to study for it. Yeah, I'm just letting you know. Yeah, and when I got in there to take that test, I was like, mm. <laughs> and anyway, I won't go into detail about that because I want the students to do well in college. Yeah. <laughs> but I knew, yeah. I just. I don't think that way, you know, I just don't. Well, you know, we have, um, there are a lot of students that are struggling with the ACT. um, And we, we, you know, we know that, you know, we get why artists and creative people probably struggle with it. But there are a lot of students that, you know, do very well. But uh, there's a lot of fear, I think, with, um, you know, the expectation of scoring well on these tests. Uh, but I was just curious because, you know, I was not uh, either, um, but I couldn't avoid the ACT, but the GRE wasn't a um, a requirement, like a defining requirement for my entrance into my MFA program. So they, yeah, I, but we we're hoping that, um, that they get, uh, that they go through with the steps that they need to take to do well with the ACT so they can get into, you know, the program of their desire. So what's really important also about the application process for college mm-hmm. is having a well-rounded um, portfolio, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. having a good written statement, mm-hmm. an excellent essay, mm-hmm. being involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on the scholarship committee for the journalism school at University of Mississippi. So mm-hmm. I'm reading the essays mm-hmm. and I'm looking for depth. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for personality. I'm looking at the hours that they volunteer. Yeah. I'm looking at the extracurricular activities. Those things are important 
just as important as the ACT, mm -hmm. I think, because I, I think academics understand that some students just don't do well with standardized tests, but where, where else do you excel? Yeah. And, and how are you putting that forth into the universe? Yeah. So that's really important, how they write, how they express themselves, how they give. Yesterday, I, c I could not, I didn't want to be preachy, but you can't always take. It is not always about you. And you have to give back into the universe. And your aura mm -hmm. is what you, is. my grandmother used to say, how you feel about yourself is what you draw to yourself. And if you feel ugly, then you're going to draw ugly people to you. And mm -hmm. so it's really important to have a well-rounded portfolio. You mentioned your grandmother. Um, Don't make me cry this I'm morning. I'm sorry. I just put my makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll try to. Uh, I'll try not to go too deep. Um, but you mentioned your grandmother, and the the subtitle of your book is um, "In Search of My Grandmother's Wisdom." Um, which I'm sorry. Which Delta Jewel? Which Delta Jewel reminded you most of your grandmother? <laughs> or is a, a compilation of jewels? And you don't have to explain why, but we've, we've got the book, and we can go and look at their names and read why. Mrs. Bearden. Yeah. Whose husband saved up his money for 14 years to buy her a wedding ring the pride mm -hmm. she's a, a little lady mm -hmm. always with her high heels on and my grandmother would wear high heels with sweatpants and she could rock it she would wear sweatpants high heels and a blazer and I'm like really <laughs> but she never wore flats and so Mrs. Bearden is always wearing heels and the prim and proper um, my grandmother if she broke one nail she would cut them all down and she couldn't stand to see chip polish. She thought that was the sign of laziness and, and it wasn't ladylike. Mm -hmm. So Miss Bearden reminds me of her the most. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were talking about, you know, professionalism and not versus creativity, but just kind of how they work together. Um, and usually with with any industry there are these code this code of ethics um i know that there's a code of ethics for journalists and um i you know i was i was think i was actually kind of thinking about in this in it wasn't an ethics thing but when you interviewed merle evers and you asked her to recall her first kiss with medgar mm -hmm. um and then you commented in the book, you were saying, did I take it too far? Like, that was your thought. So, like, are you, do, do you ever feel like you're taking it too, like, do you know when you take it too far? And are you, and is it, is it just, is your, your journalistic code kicks in and you're unapologetic about, you know, having to get the job done? You know, like, how does, how does that work where you that battle between did I take it too far because we deal with that in the in in our these students deal with that all the time uh, in their writing or in their um in their visual work uh and we you know we 
we also have the censorship conversation and all of that. This is different from taking it too far in the Merle moment, which I loved. I just loved that moment. And I was just I was just wondering what you what your thoughts were about, you know, honoring the code, but going from your intuition as an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an excellent. You've been asking excellent questions. Mrs. Evers. I was going to ask the question anyway. Yeah. And also what their song was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I didn't I don't have questions prepared. But as we were going through the interviewing process, I wanted to make sure I got that because I, I hadn't, I'd never read anything where she talked about how they, like the, those private moments. Taking it too far, my, jo- my job is a journalist and my job is to ask questions. And I tell my students when I'm teaching them photography, it's about moments. You've got to get the moments. And even as a storyteller, uh, with audio and visuals and video. It's about moments, always. And I'd like to think I don't take it too far. I'd like to think that I'm respectful, but I also want the story. And if they give me just a little, they crack that door just a little bit, I'm going to walk in. <laughs> I'm going to walk in. It was like yesterday when we were talking about food, and the students were talking about the food that they love. But there were hidden meaning, hidden hidden meanings behind why they like certain food, and it always came back to people, mm-hmm. their grandmothers, their grandfathers. Um, so I'm always going to take that opportunity. And there are times when I've asked people questions that I thought were innocent questions, and then you know I'm, they're flooded with tears, and then I feel bad, and I'm in my head. I'm like, okay, should I cut the recorder off? You know, and then I'm like, but. It's telling a story, and it's raw, and that's what people connect with. And if they ask me to cut it off, I will. No one's ever done that, but I do have those conversations in my head. Should I cut this off? Maybe I shouldn't follow up with another question. But I am a journalist, and I will do it. And if they shut the door, I respect it. So I keep going until they tell me to stop. Mm -hmm. Ethically with visuals, I won't break that code. Uh, I won't break the ethics at all. Mm-hmm. I can't stand it when photographers do it, when people do it. You don't you don't set up a photo. You don't take things out of a photo. You don't add things to a photo. I'm very, very pure that way. Mm-hmm. But with questions, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to go there. <laughs> I'm going to go there. Yeah, I think human connection is really important. And um, I always tell my students that, I tell them, you are students of the human condition. And I also believe that I am, you know, mm-hmm. constantly trying to learn and evolve and admit when I'm wrong about something or someone or some situation. And I don't know that for me, that's my responsibility to you know, human connectedness and being a human being and giving, you know, um, I, which I think is such a great philosophy that you have. And it was such a great, you know, pearl of wisdom to give them um, because, you know, you can start feeling yourself, you know, before you know it, you write something that's amazing. You get this award, you, um, you, uh, 
you know, you have some a photograph, an award-winning photograph or painting, and you know it feeds you in a way. Um, and sometimes what you give off is, um, it's. It, um, I don't want to say that it's that there's this air because success is success. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a successful person, but success is also like what you what you want mm-hmm. it to be. You know, mm-hmm. it could be that I'm successful because I have um, feel like I've made it full circle. Mm-hmm. You know, in my life. Um, and that could be more successful to me than any award that my writing has given me. So it's like we all define success differently mm-hmm. and we all respond to success differently. Like it shapes us differently. What when it what do you what's your like definition or your philosophy about success? Wow, you said a lot of powerful things, and I'm like, oh, I want to talk about that. Oh, let's <laughs> talk about that. Um, success to me is when I make people happy, mm. um, and when I make people proud. Mm-hmm. Even now, 27 years after my grandmother's death, something like that. Um, 20, 24 years. I'd like to think that she's looking down on me, proud. You got me. Um, I'd like to think that because I know how much and how hard she loved me Mm -hmm. and how she pushed me for excellence. Mm -hmm. And sometimes a little hard, you know, a sea was failing for her. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember fighting because she made me go to summer school because I I, I passed geometry with a C. And I'm like, do you know who goes to summer school? I'm going to get my butt kicked in summer (laughs) school. Um, But success is when you do something good in the world for other people. Um, Artists, we can be a little bit um, self-centered. And nobody likes an egomaniac. It is not pretty. No. And humble will always get you to the next door. And you don't work alone in this world. And you always need people. I, I had a student one time, about five years ago, telling me in his first college photography class, my class, that there was nothing I could teach him. And I'm like, okay. And he didn't say it once, he said it twice. And I was like, okay. But see, even with all the awards that I won in photography, I always have someone edit me because you cannot work in a bubble. You will not succeed, and you didn't get there by yourself. So you have to go back and have people come with you, and you have to bring them along. Mm-hmm. And working, you didn't you didn't grow up on your own. Somebody influenced you. Someone encouraged you. Someone supported you. Someone pushed you. Someone challenged you. Someone told you you were wrong. Someone told you you were right. So you've always got you've always got to bring people with you, and you've got to thank them. And you've got to pay it forward. Karma don't like ugly, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I really can't see, I, I, and I don't appreciate or like being around narcissistic people um, because it's not its not realistic. It's not. Mm-hmm. You, had, you had a community. Mm-hmm. And if you don't thank them, 
mm-hmm. and give them props. Mm-hmm. That comes back to you. Yeah. Yeah. You can be a beautiful person on the outside. You can have all the talent in the world. But if you're an ugly person inside, nobody's going to want to work with you. No one's going to want to hire you. No one's going to want to award you anything. Mm-hmm. That's that's a bad place to be. Yeah, it is. And we do work in isolation a lot, mm-hmm. but I'm constantly reminding students about, hey, you're in community also. Mm-hmm. You know, you have be in community with one another, value one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think they're going that that I think it's going to really resonate with them um a little later. Not much later, but I think very soon you'll start to understand, you know, um that you are a component, you know, of a larger larger picture and um I just I really appreciate you 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 call it preachy, but there there's so much wisdom, you know, that um you know, a lot of our students are so talented, but we don't really take time to, you know, just drop the wisdom as much as we should. We get it in when we can, but mm-hmm. we need, <laughs> we all need that, uh, that these reminders, uh, it's wisdom. And um, I just appreciate you so much for every bit that you're giving us. And I hope no one is taking this advice um for granted um but it's it's so necessary and we and I think this is the time for students to really you know take this in um this is such a malleable time for them and um I've just I've enjoyed you know your wisdom more than like more than anything just this let this these keep it real moments have um are the things that I think they'll, they'll never forget this residency because of that. Um, oh, thank you. I mean, and I'm learning too. Yeah. I'm learning. Yeah. And it, it, you see me giving to them, but you, Patrick, Mrs. Henderson are giving to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I appreciate that because I grow from every experience. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a good test for my uh, patients because I'm not the most patient person. And I'm really curious to see, how the students are going to take critical feedback because it's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, In the journalism world, we're very abrupt and we say what we're saying. We don't have time to, I was telling my husband this, we do not have time to draft an email and wait 24 hours. We say it like we're thinking. Mm -hmm. And so I have to, and I'm a journalist first and Mm -hmm. then an educator. Mm -hmm. So even in my seventh year of Mm -hmm. being a professor, I have to, um, remember that I'm not in the newsroom anymore. Mm. So my lesson today will to be to try to not be a journalist so much as um, a mentor because mm-hmm. there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and that will be my life lesson. Wow. Today. Wow. That's awesome. Um, I uh, I heard you say that you that you like to listen to music and you like to dance. So I have to ask, what are you listening to or and or dancing to? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm 70s, 80s, R&B. Yes. Um, I'm always going to jam the Earth, Wind & Fire. Yeah. Um, the OJs, 
and and I know the students won't know who I'm talking about. But then I go be surprised, and, and I go. Some and, of them have some old spirits. Well, I'm and they love music. I'm <laughs> always listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire, Rick James. I, I, that was the first fight my grandmother and I had because she would not let me go to his concert when I was 12, and um, I had a thing for Rick James. <laughs> So I'm always, and my song with him is Dance With You. Um, I'm always going to listen to that, or Point of Fire, OJs. But then, you know, I like my EPMD, and I like KRS-One, and Public Enemy when I'm in that mood, too, because I can be kind of militant. Um, yeah, so I'm a mixture. But then I love hollow notes. Mm-hmm. So and I can't sing for anything, and my husband's like, "Whoa, you like you want to chill out on the singing?" <laughs> but I love Hollow Notes and Journey too. Okay. So, but I'm always listening to my old school R and B and Neo Soul, Neo Soul big time. Let us see, um, Sunshine Anderson. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Kim. Um, yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always listening to Neo Soul. I think we're, uh, we might be musical soulmates. Um, one of the best concerts I've been to was a Kim concert. Um, I saw him twice. I love yeah. him. I've seen Lettucey three times. Really? That's my girl. Like, I love her. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to Lettucey on the way to work yesterday. Really? Yeah, I was. Love her. Yeah. I, th- I think my theme song is with her. What's your theme song? If you, if um, you could have a theme song. I think the name of it is um, Gonna Be All Right. It's mm-hmm. from her second album. I, that's my song from her or pieces of me yeah i love that song yeah um i love let us see her voice her energy mm-hmm. yeah but i think the one oh the one that stays in my car because i have an old car i will not give up my suv it's like 14 <laughs> years old my husband's like can we please get a new car i'm like that car's been everywhere with me but i'm not lying the cd that stays in my car I have not taken it out in over a year and i play it over and over is alex uh, alex o'neill Alexander O'Neill. Yes, he. Some people like it. That's that um, Alexander O'Neill. He had a song called "Sunshine" and yes, "Fake" that's and the, "Criticize." Yeah, that CD has not left my car in a year, and I will not take it out. And I will play it over and over. If you were here tonight, um, meant to be my lady. Like, yeah, I love Alex O'Neill. I had a huge crush on him in high school, and I thought he was so fine, and. <laughs> Yeah, that that's my dude right there. Yeah. You you said CDs. I did say CD. Yeah, I have an old car. I'm not changing it. I listen. I listen to CDs as well, and you know, I still have. I guess it's a five disc changer that I have. I don't even have that girl. You know, you just, just one just a single disc. See, do you still have the little clip on your uh you do you have the i finally took it out this year <laughs> yes and my car is packed with cds and bobby has been bugging me for two years to buy a new car the car is paid off i don't like car payments okay right. and i don't have enough money to just buy a car outright mm-hmm. so i don't have the backup screen you know yeah. i don't i have a, one cd player in the it plays one cd <laughs> And I have my Tina Marie in the car. I have Alex. I have two oh. Alex O'Neill. I have Rick James. Um, I have the OJs. I have Earth, Wind, and Fire. Luther. I love Luther. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, there's a story about my dad. He took me. I had a huge crush on Dr. J growing up because I grew up about an hour outside of Philly. And Dr. my whole room was Dr. J. Yeah. All, the high tops and everything. 
and my dad took me to see uh, the 76ers one time and I, one of my cousins was like, yeah, Dr. J, he drives around in the parking lot at halftime just thinking about the game. And I was 12. And I was like, Daddy, I need to go outside. And he was like, why? I'm like, because Dr. J's outside driving around in the parking lot. And if he sees me, he's going to fall in love with me and marry me. My dad was like, you're going to sit your butt down. You're not going outside. <laughs> but the song that reminds me of him is, uh, oh, God, I'm going blank. It's a Luther song, um, Superstar. Mm-hmm. And so that song reminds me of my dad and Dr. J, because I had a huge question on Dr. J. It was Dr. J, Alex, and Rick James. Yeah. Weird taste. Yeah. Well, no, I, these, I mean, it's my taste. We have very similar tastes when it comes to music. Um, and the, I have my, I, my CD case is under my seat. I keep it under my seat. <laughs> We're, eight, we're we're putting our age out there. We are, but you know, I think one of the the you know how they this the students make playlists now like on Spotify. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember it was it was so it was so much fun to create those playlists and burn the CD. Yeah, you know? I can take it back even further with the cassettes. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. would listen to the radio and record and just get it recorded. Or you would have the the CD playing or the album, the vinyl playing, and then you record my aunt. I used to sneak, I used to sneak in her room yeah. and make a cassette. And I had the best slow jam in college, too. All the boys would come to me, can I borrow that CD? Because my girlfriend's coming over. They had my Luther and everything on. They were like, I want it back. <laughs> yes. People used to, you know, make a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, selling burn CDs and, you know, those created lists of songs it was that was it was an awesome time and sometimes you kind of hold on to Mm -hmm. to eras so i i hold on to eras also me too there's one thing oh you got me going now (laughs) bobby my husband is a dj really yeah he does um he used to do high school graduations and proms and weddings he does weddings and um anniversaries and that kind of thing but he always trying to he's always trying to test me on music. I'm like, dude, you can't you can't beat me on on R and B and soul. You just can't. Now classic rock, that's his thing. A white man listening to classic rock is I don't know, it's interesting. But he um the one thing that we do to unwind, this is so geeky, but we will make a playlist in the house. And so like if he starts with rap and he has a, a song with a certain rhythm to it and beats per minute or whatever, then I have to come up with a song that's gonna follow his before the song ends. And we will spend hours on a Friday night having a drink and playing this game. And then we make, we have the bomb playlist. Like, cause he'll be like, okay, you can't use Michael Jackson. You can't use um, Luther and you can't use something else. And so, We'll we'll do rock. He'll beat me in rock, but I'm always trying to up him. Yeah. And so, like, that's one thing that we do to unwind. Yeah, I was about to say that sounds like a really cool yeah. balancing, unwinding break. Take yeah. a break and get into the music. You know, yeah. Let's do, that's 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 really healthy. That's really great. My yeah. dad was a DJ too. Really. So we grew up with um, Friday night jam sessions. Also, see, it's so and much fun. That was when he he's called spinning records because yeah. he was. Like he was, um, he was one of the first black uh, DJs on the main radio station. I can't think of it in Tyler Town uh, with oh. Walthall County, Mississippi. Wow! Yeah, he was the first black radio DJ. 
Somebody needs to do a story on your dad. Listen, my I get my storytelling uh, skills from my dad. He mm-hmm. is an amazing storyteller. Hmm. And I recorded him, um, and I lost the audio. But I did, you know, wow. record him. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this has... I feel accountable after yesterday and just going on this oral history mm-hmm. residency journey. You know, I feel accountable to their stories. And so, you know, I I was telling my husband that um, I, I got to get it done. I got to commit to it, and I have to record these histories. His grandmother, my husband's grandmother, is um, is pushing 100. What? She's pushing 100. Has anybody recorded her voice? No, but Ooh. I will. I included one of her oral histories, one of her stories, in a journal article that um, that I had published. And so it was, you know, really about um, just kind of talking about, um, about race relations in Macomb. Mm-hmm. And I was able to kind of weave that in really nicely. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that you feel like you don't have time to do. But if it becomes this practice and this art form, I mean, you can preserve a whole culture. You know, yeah. it's yeah. so important. So, but my but most immediate to me, my mom and dad, uh, mm-hmm. whose parents were both very active in the civil rights movement in Macomb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's it's just got to happen. It it's does. It's got to happen. My father-in-law passed away February 9th of this year. And mm-hmm. after I did my book, my husband, his father lived in Biloxi. Um, he drove down for the weekend and interviewed his dad mm-hmm. for about two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. And it's the only audio um, that anyone has of his childhood memories. Wow. And he interviewed his mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was about a year after the book. And so he is so grateful that he did that because his father passed away mm-hmm. and nobody has his yeah. voice recorded. Right. You know, I mean, there's videos of him kind of, but mm-hmm. like just raw, beautiful audio of him talking about his childhood and his mother and his grandmother. Mm-hmm. And so Bobby is so appreciative of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that people are doing that, but it still hurts that I don't have that with my grandma. You know, I, I don't, I don't have that. Yeah. But I'm so happy because you pay it forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you made a great point. You've been making this point. You know, it's one thing to be able to recall those stories as they were told to you. Because there's, I can, you know, I can recall so many stories that my parents have told me. And I can, you know, I can, you know, verbally, you know, tell these stories, mm-hmm. you know, but I, it's the voice preservation that I'm missing, yeah. you know, like yeah. in their voice, like their voice is telling these stories, yes. you know, their tonality, their personality, mm-hmm. their personhood coming through in those in the telling of those stories. I could never duplicate that. Right. You have to get it, you know, organically. Yeah. And, I, you know, that has been, you know, that's been, you know, that I, I've been picking up on that you know, or since the time I've been with you, uh, their voices, mm-hmm. you know, it's their voices. Yeah. So I even send my mom, my dad, I think I saved some of my grandfather, even after, when I was working on the book, I, I interviewed my grandfather, but I didn't save his voicemails. So even like really special messages, like my mom sings happy birthday to me every birthday. Mm-hmm. 
I send that to my email because I've gotten new phones and my voicemails have been gone. Mm-hmm. So really special voicemails, I even just mail, email those to myself so I have them. Yeah. Um, so that's really important to mm-hmm. do. So go get your father, go get mm-hmm. your mother. And if I can give you one bit of advice, people will kind of freak out when you put devices in front of their faces. Mm-hmm. Buy a lavalier. Okay. Um, it's a microphone that clips to a shirt. Mm-hmm. And if you can plug that into a recording device like your phone or a little recorder, mm-hmm. they forget that something that they're being recorded because they can use their hands. Mm-hmm. And if you have a device straight in their face, first of all, you're going to get your hand movement. That's going to be recorded and it will mess up the audio, even mm-hmm. for your phone. So get a little lavalier, 20 bucks. I mean, if you can spend more to get a good one, or Patrick has one here, get a lavalier and use that because people okay. will forget and they'll they'll relax. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm really serious about my per- like my oil history goals. And, um, yeah, this, this has really just been amazing for me. Um, so... Thank you. Thank Thank you you for being here. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for for inviting me. Yes. Thank you for sharing. You've been sharing so much. And I can see, like, sharing a lot, that can be exhausting also. So I hope when you leave MSA that you get a lot of great rest and that you get rejuvenated for everything you've got going on. Thank you. Yes. But we're so so honored, once again, so honored to to have you. uh, Al Steele's book, uh, Delta Jewels. Um, you should plug this. Uh, where is it available? And I know you've got a, a new book that you're working on, but mm-hmm. just to wrap up, if mm-hmm. you could um, tell the students, their parents, our community, where we can get Delta Jewels and uh, a little bit more about your um, upcoming book. Sure. Thank you. Um, it's called Delta Jewels in Search of My Grandmother's Wisdom. It came out four years ago. Um, almost to the day, actually. It came out April 5th or April 7th, 2015. So we're almost there. Um, But it's sold online mainly. Uh, Amazon, it's it's like 12 bucks now. It was 30 when it came out. So it's 12 bucks. Um, I think Christian Bookstore sells it online and maybe Barnes & Noble. It was everywhere when it first came out, but now it's Amazon and it's very inexpensive. That's where I buy it when I buy it for gifts for people. Um, the new book is called uh, The new book is called Cotton. Right now, it's called Cotton Voices in the Fields, and that one, you know, I really wanted to interview elder black church mothers because there's so much wisdom, and they are demographic overlooked over and over again in the media and in life. People walk past older black women, don't even think about it. There's so much wisdom, so many things they've gone through. They were the backbone for the civil rights movement. It wasn't It wasn't um, some of the more famous men. It was the women that did all the work in the background. And they don't get the glory that they should. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanted to do women and also to honor my grandmother. But cotton in Mississippi means a lot of things to different people. And so we wanted, what I noticed after I gave every speaking engagement Everyone wanted to talk to me about cotton. I don't know why, but they wanted to talk to me about cotton. And people kept asking me, what's your next book? I'm like, I don't know. I'm trying to get over the fear of public speaking and everything else about Delta Jewels, and I'm tired. Mm -hmm. But something 
bigger than me, God, the ancestors, my grandmother, something, told me to do cotton. So we're interviewing black, white, male, and female. And what I've discovered is that the soft, fluffy crop has such a painful, complicated past. Yes, it does. But what I learned from listening to all the people that would talk to me at the speaking engagements was that they all had something similar. They all wanted to talk about cotton. And I thought, for a crop that's divided gener- generations of people might actually bring, to, bring them together if they actually sat down and listened to each other. So that's why we're doing black, white, male, and female. And we'll do community engagement programs and, and invite everyone, black, white, male, and female. And we did that with, I, we didn't just invite the black community for Delta Jewels, but with cotton being inclusive, we're hoping that generations of people that might not have ever spoken to each other might actually sit down and listen and talk to each other. So that's why we're doing cotton. It's amazing. Thank um, you. Uh, how far into it? <laughs> Halfway. Halfway? Yeah, okay. I did Delta Jewels in nine, about nine months. Okay. I was on a mission. Mm-hmm. Cotton, I'm tired. <laughs> so this is year three. Yes. <laughs> um, we're halfway done. Wow. We're halfway done. It's, it's a much slower process. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, um, all our luck and our love to you as you Thank continue you. that project. Um, April 4th is, um, our, t- t- today is April 4th. It's 51 years that Martin Luther King was assassinated mm-hmm. today. Wow, yeah. So um, just wanted to also um, punctuate the, the, um, the conversation with that because... Uh, much like your research and, you know, just civil rights advocacy, um, thinking about our elders, um, I, th- I, I think we should definitely, um, you know, move forward in the day um, with, um, with Martin Luther King's uh, legacy um, in, our, in our hearts and on our minds. So um, I just wanted to say how ironic and and uh, amazing it is that we're having to have this conversation um, about our elders on this day. It's uh, really symbolic mm-hmm. to me. And once again, I, I have a lot of gratitude. Um, thank you so much for your wisdom and for you know reminding us of why it's so important to be humbled and um, so important to give. So, thank you. Thank, thank you, you. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining us on Episode 5 of Creative Expression Podcast. Stay tuned to our podcast series as we continue to incorporate this phase of digital media artistry into life at the Mississippi School of the Arts. Launch our website at podcast.msabrookhaven.org where you can receive more information about MSA and the podcast series. Subscribe to us on Google Play Music Spotify, TuneIn, and Apple iTunes Podcasts. Join us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at MSA Brookhaven. Until next time, Mississippi School of the Arts in Brookhaven, Mississippi. Now we rise, we fly, we shine.